I would like to encourage you to open up to the book of Acts. We're going to find ourselves this morning in Acts chapter 11, taking a look at what the Lord has for us this morning. Let's read. Now, the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. An object descending like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. And when I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. And he will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed, On the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they became silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad. And he encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Lord Jesus, we just pray, God, that you would just minister to us in this time. God, we pray and we ask, God, that you would move 
in might and power in our midst, Lord Jesus, that we would have eyes that see and ears that hear. God, that we would desire, Father, just to trust in you. And that we would make you our focal point and focus. And God, that you would be glorified in this time as we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we look at the Word of God and we we begin this morning in in Acts chapter 11, I'm reminded, you know, that... uh, We have been studying and desiring to step away from the resistance to the Holy Spirit into a position of responding to the Holy Spirit and prayerfully as we continue learning to rely upon the Holy Spirit. And as we look at Acts chapter 11, we we come once again face to face with uh, what we saw taking place in Acts chapter 10. And you remember we took a few weeks to just focus in on what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How does that look? What, how does the filling and overflowing of the Holy Spirit work? And, and I encourage you as we work our way through, if you have any questions, grab those CDs or tapes or they're available online or on iTunes and you can uh, have an opportunity to listen to some of those things that we discuss. But as we look at Acts chapter 11 verse 1, listen, it says, Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard the Gentiles received the word of God. They heard that Gentiles had been saved. First time. Gentiles. Wow, we we saw Jews and, and primarily the focus was on the Jews. The belief for the Jewish people was that as they came to know their Messiah and put their faith in Jesus Christ, that God would restore his kingdom and through that kingdom the Gentile would come to faith. This was a bit of a surprise. As Paul later on is going to teach and lay out for us the mystery of the gospel, that Gentiles were going to be a part of what God was doing. Man, that's, that was an exciting time. But at this point in the life of the Jews, they, they didn't know that. They didn't understand that that was what God was going to do. So in verse 2 it says, And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him. He gets called on the carpet. The church of Jerusalem says, Peter, man, we heard uh, Gentiles got saved. What's up with that? We need to talk. So Peter comes. It says they contended with him. It means that word, it's actually the same as, uh, as uh, double-minded is the same word. It's, it's to make a distinction between. And so they were making a distinction. They were contending. They were saying, listen, uh, we're not sure that this all goes together. Jew and Gentile together in one body. So, so they're making a distinction with him. And in verse 3, they, this was their issue. You went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. They ate with them. They went in. When, it's funny because when Peter tells the story, and we'll see in a, in a moment, he tells that an angel appeared to Cornelius in the house. Maybe you didn't notice it. It's a good thing to mark, if you like to mark your Bibles. Why did he say the angel was there? He's trying to say, look, if it was good enough for an angel to be in a Gentile's house, it's okay for me to be in a Gentile's house. But the other issue was that he ate with them. Listen, in Middle Eastern culture, to eat or to share a meal together is a, is a point of, of uh, intimacy. That you are really close. Now... Part of your body is made up of the same thing that the person you ate with's body is made up. As you eat, whatever you eat becomes a part of you. 
So in sharing that meal, you're really sharing with one another. It was, it was viewed as a very intimate setting when they would spend time eating together. I'm encouraged by that because that's the reason, the purpose behind we, us doing koinonias. A koinonia simply is the word for fellowship. But the, the point is, I know a lot of times we have a koinonia, we have a time together, barbecue or whatever, and we get together and, and people maybe look at how many other things they got to do that uh, would fill up their day rather than come and spend some time in fellowship. But it's so vital in the body of Christ, that we learn what the the Middle Eastern culture understood. That we are united together when we spend the time to share meals together. When we come together as a body of Christ, when we come together in fellowship, God desires to see that moving and working in us. And it's such a great opportunity for us as a body to be knitted together. But this was their problem. You knitted yourself together with a Gentile. And, and they were not sure that this was going to be okay. And I love what Peter does, guys, in, in chapter or in verse 4. Look what it says. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning. Peter didn't get mad. He didn't get frustrated. He didn't you know, throw his hat on the ground and, and shout to get control of the situation. He just explained it to them. He explained to them... What had happened? He explained about the dream and the sheet coming down with all manner of clean and unclean animals together. What did that clean and unclean symbolize? It wasn't giving Jackie the okay to eat bacon. What it was doing was saying, there is clean the Jew and unclean the Gentile, and they're about to be brought together in one. And so when Peter was told, rise, Peter, kill and eat, and he said, not so, Lord, I've never touched anything unclean. The Lord said, what I have cleansed, don't call it common or unclean. See, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ not only purged the sin of the Jew, it purged the sin of the Gentile. Every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth is made clean by that sacrifice. So Peter explains, he explains the dream, he explains right after the dream, boom, there's these three guys. That's how we know what the dream is in reference to. Three guys are there, sent by Cornelius, so he gathers up six of his friends, and they go with him, and they follow him back. It says that when they get back, or on the way, verse 12, look what it says. It says, And the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Same word as contend. To make a distinction. The Spirit said, Go and don't make a distinction. Between Jew and Gentile. Go. And what we see in, in Peter's willingness to go, guys, what we see is a, a, an attitude that says, I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit. He's not resisting, even though it really goes against his culture. He's, he's responding to the Holy Spirit and he's relying. The Holy Spirit is bidding me to go. I'm going to go. And the question really for us this morning is a question that Jesus asked in the beginning of his ministry as he called his disciples. As he called each one of his disciples, you remember what he said to them? He said to each one, come, follow me. Come, follow me. Relying on the Holy Spirit is all about that concept. Are you willing to follow Jesus? Wherever he leads, we sing songs, where you go, I go. 
Where you stay, I'll stay. Who you love, I'll love. All these things that we, that we lay out, are we really willing to do that? Because that's what reliance on the Holy Spirit is really all about. And that's what Peter did. He relied, he heard the Spirit speak to him, and he went, making no distinction between the people. Verse 13, he says, And I was told how they saw an angel in the house. Remember, I told you he was going to tell them about it. They saw an angel in his house who said, Go send men to Joppa and bring Simon Peter. And he will tell you words by which you and your household will be saved. You know, Acts chapter 10 is such an incredible chapter because it breaks all the rules. You know the rules. you got to pray a certain prayer. You know, you got to go to special classes if you're a new believer. Certainly need to make sure that you get baptized. And, and you do all these things. You know, when we ask if there's anybody here that desires to be saved, you got to raise your hand. you got to do all that stuff, right? When Acts chapter 10, all Peter does is start preaching Jesus. They believe in their hearts, not even verbally, they believe what it is that Peter is saying, and immediately the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they begin to speak in tongues. It's not possible to do that without being saved. The Holy Spirit came, they got saved, anointed, and baptized in the Holy Spirit, all in the same second. Just so God could say, I don't fit in your box. The Bible says... A lot of different ways, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we want to make rules and distinctions and say, hey, this is how you have to do it, and this is how it has to look, and this is what you got to do to make sure it's done. But Acts chapter 10 just messes all that up. He preaches, they believe, and immediately they're saved. Immediately. Well, look what what Peter says when he talks about it. He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. That means to empower the baptism as upon us at the beginning. The same way they were baptized there at the the day of Pentecost. Now these guys are in the same way. And I remember the word of the Lord. John indeed baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore... God gave them the same gift He gave us. And when, uh, when we believed on the Lord Jesus, so who was I to withstand God? Hey, if God's moving, if God says somebody can get saved, who are we to say they can't? And when they heard these things, that's how we know the heart of the, of the believers there in Jerusalem was right. When they heard these things, they glorified God and said, Then God has granted the Gentiles repentance unto life. So, as we look at chapter 11, it just kind of concludes the story of what was happening in chapter 10. And again, if you want more information on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, empowering of the Holy Spirit, pick up some of those CDs. But we're going to continue to move on. We see God moving and working and doing this thing. And then in verse 19, he looks back. Now, we hold on to this scene And we go back in time to chapter 8. Okay, chapter 8 was nearly 14 years earlier. So you got 14 years time span from 8 to 11. And as you go back, look what it says in verse 19. Now, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but Jews only. 
So we go back to, to, to chapter 8. Remember the persecution? Stephen was, was martyred in chapter 7. Chapter 8, the church, the fans, uh, the, the flames of persecution, fans, the church spreads. But everywhere they're going, they're speaking to Jews. They're focusing on Jews. The Bible said that, that it would go to Jews first and then to the Gentiles. And simply that's what took place. It went to the Jews first, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And what was the next part? uttermost parts of the earth right so it's going to spread it's going to spread jesus in his commission uh gave us a hint that things were going to go to the gentiles and that's what exactly what we see taking place and we don't ever have to be afraid of persecution the church always grows in persecution always and sometimes maybe you think, and I, I know I have thought, wow, I wonder if I could go through the things, the kind of things that Saeed is going through in, in Iran and Evan Prison. Man, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could go through that. Corey Tinboom used to ask that of her father back in the days when they would ride trains around the area that she grew up, not even knowing what her future held for her in the time that she would spend in a concentration camp. And as she asked her dad, man, I don't know if I could do all these things. I don't know if I could, if I could really stand and be strong for the Lord. Her dad said to her, Corey, you know, I have the ticket for you to get on this train. But because I'm your father and I love you, I'm going to hold on to that ticket until you need it. And then I'll give it to you and you and I will get on this train. So he said, that's the same thing your Father in Heaven does for you. He's got the ticket you need, the time when you need it, and He will give it to you when it's time. Sometimes we think, I don't think I can do it now. Maybe you can't do it now, but if persecution comes, God will equip you. God will give you the strength you need. The choice you will decide is like Peter when the Holy Spirit told him go. When the Holy Spirit speaks, will you respond? Will you rely on what the Holy Spirit lays upon your heart? Persecution came, the church spread. But then look at verse 20. Now some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they came to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists preaching the Lord Jesus. So now we fast forwarded, we're caught back up to where we started in time in chapter 11. Now he's saying, now there were some guys who came from Cyrene and, and, and they, they came from uh, Cyprus and they, they came and when they got to Antioch, they started to preach to the Hellenists, the Greek, the Gentile. So when we come between 20 and 19, we've got this span of time. First, they're reaching out just to the Jews. But then as this thing takes place, as, as Peter brings salvation to the Gentile, these guys, they travel up to Antioch and they take that news and they begin to preach to the Gentiles. To the Hellenists. Not to the Hellenistic Jews. To the Hellenists, the Greeks, the Gentiles. They preach. And what was it that they preached to him? They preach the Lord Jesus. 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 So important for us to understand the concept of just focusing on Christ. So many times you and I, we get focused on what's missing. 
The Jews would look at the Gentile and focus on what they didn't do. Well, they don't sacrifice in the morning and the evening, and they don't pray three times a day, and they don't follow all these different rules and regulations that we have set up. They would focus on that and assume that as a result, the kingdom has to come first, and then they can get saved. But in reality, Jesus came to call us to focus on Him. Focus on Him. He said, come, follow me. Follow me. When I was coaching football in California, I've shared before, I went through a period of time, we had a lot of fumbles. Fumbles are bad in football. In case you're not aware of that, fumbles are bad. Every time a fumble would happen, I would have to pray for strength, not to ruin my witness and strangle a kid on the sideline. So, I would tell the kids over and over again, stop fumbling. Would you quit that fumbling? Would you just... And so I would tell them over and over and over again. Don't fumble. Don't fumble. They go out ready to run offense. And on their way by, I'd say, don't fumble. Don't fumble. Don't fumble the ball. And then they kept fumbling the cotton picking ball. And I had a brother who come alongside me and he said, You know, I don't think the way you're trying to teach that's working. Shit, you think? That's true, it's not working. He said, let's concentrate on what they should do instead of what they shouldn't. Okay. So then I started to tell him, take care of the ball. Just take care of the ball. And it was amazing, all those things we taught them about how not to fumble, began to happen as they focused on what they needed to do Instead of not, and not on what they wanted not to do. To focus on what they needed to do. And I think the same thing is true in our Christian walk. In our Christian walk, if we want our walk, are you struggle with the same thing over and over again? Do you, do you have a, a, a sin or a, something that you're dealing with that constantly is, is creeping into your life? Or maybe you're focusing on trying not to do that. I need to try not to sin. I need to try not to do whatever the thing is that I'm trying to do. And in reality, what we really need to do is follow Jesus. That means go where Jesus goes. Do what Jesus does. If Jesus don't go there or do that, then don't do it. Follow Him. That's what they were preaching. They were preaching the Lord Jesus. That means that Jesus is in control he's my lord he's the one i follow so as they taught look what happens look what the word says they're preaching the word to the greeks and look at verse 21 this is what always happens whenever the spirit of god is moving it says the hand of the lord was with them and a great number believed and turned to the lord you see that phrase turn to the lord it intimates that there was a change in life They turned from something to turn to the Lord. But they didn't focus on what they were turning from. They didn't focus on what they were leaving. They focused on where they were going, what they were going to. They turned from that to the Lord. It it, it intimates that change, that there's a change in life. Just like the the movie that that we saw the, the, the scenes for earlier today. So many times, in so many ways, people believe that you can't change. People don't change. People keep going back to the same stuff. 
Yeah, only if they're not in Christ Jesus. Because if you're in Christ Jesus, the Bible says that you will turn to him. Who are you following? Who are we following? I don't have to focus on the list of do's and don'ts. I just need to focus on Christ. Where is he at? Is he here? That's where I want to be. Is he over there? Nope, I don't think he's over there. Then I'm going to stay here. I want to be where he is, doing what he's doing, following his teachings. And what happens, every time you do that, and the Spirit of God moves, people get saved and lives change. That's what he says in verse 21. People get saved and lives change. People get saved and lives change. So look what happens. It says, Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. They sent out Barnabas. Well, Barnabas is not really his name. If I remember, his name is something like Joseph. Uh, Barnabas was his nickname. You guys ever had a nickname? I had a nickname. I'm not going to tell you what it was, though. (laughs) I just do that for a test to see how many people will ask me this next week. So, Jackie, I'm up to a couple already from first service. So, Barnabas was his nickname. His nickname means son of encouragement. You see, that's what he was. He was an encourager. You know that people like to be around encouragers, right? I love encouragement. That's why I married my wife, Kathy. I didn't know I loved encouragement. I thought I didn't need any of that stuff. You know, sissy talking. You don't have to tell me all that. Okay, it's a lie. It's a lie. I'm like, oh, no. You know, I grew up in a family of boys. You did not say you needed to be affirmed in the family of boys. Or you would get affirmed. (laughs) Some way you probably didn't want affirmation. So I didn't think I needed it. I didn't think I I did. But then I got married. I married Kathy and she is Pollyanna in the flesh. (laughs) If right now you're saying, Polly what? It's a Disneyland show about a... Do I really have to explain it to everybody? No, you guys got it? Pollyanna always saw everything... Good. It didn't matter how it looked, it was good. I once bought a house without looking at it. Because my wife wanted the house. And to be honest, if my wife wants it and I can give it to her, I'll give it to her. So she wanted this house. So the first trip of me seeing the house, it used to be a rental. And the people who lived there were not happy that it was being sold while they were renting it. So... I'm walking through this house, and she must have seen a look on my face like, I better do something quick, because I'm like, uh, I paid money for this? And so she'd start casting the vision. Oh, wait, don't look at how it looks now. Wait to how it's going to look. Oh, don't, see with the, don't see this. Don't see the broken floor, the, the, the doors on the cupboards hanging, or the holes in the doors and the walls. No, no, wait. It's going to look so nice when we get it done. So she got it. And we fixed it. That's what a son of encouragement can do. A son of encouragement doesn't see what is. A son of encouragement sees what will be. They see with the eyes of faith. Not with the eyes of fact. 
I am damaged. I see with the eyes of fact. So I need my wife. She's my Barnabas. Every once in a while, I will come home to my Barnabas. And she has decided that it's the day to be like me. And and I will announce, um, excuse me, I was never interested in marrying me. I don't know why you did, but I married you. So put your Pollyanna glasses back on and let's get back where we need to be. Everybody wants to be around a son of encouragement. The church of Jerusalem sent Barnabas because of that gift. It's my prayer that 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 would be how we would all want to be. Sons of encouragement. Not that see the failure of where somebody's at now, but sees the possibilities of where God can take them. And what God can do. Why did the church send him? Because this is Barnabas' stomping grounds. That's where he grew up. So when they heard about this move and Gentiles getting saved, they look around, man, who are we going to send up there? And Barney! So they go grab Barnabas and off he goes. Barnabas comes up and look what it says about it. Look what it says in verse 23. And when he came and had seen, what? The grace of God, he was glad. They didn't come up and say, boy, uh, you guys are perfect. Your doctrine is amazing. Your list of rules are exactly how they should be. Everyone is wearing what they should wear, standing where they should stand, doing what they should do. Oh, he came and it said he saw the grace of God. What was the grace of God? The grace of God was they had Jews and Gentiles in the church. You ever found yourself sitting in church next to somebody you didn't want to sit next to? Well, it's not so bad right now. You could move all the way to the other side of the church and be safe. But if you were here Easter morning, there was not going to be no moving. You're stuck. The church there, they, they had begun to develop a unity together. And in that unity, you really see the grace of God. The grace of God meaning not that they did whatever they wanted to do whenever they wanted to do it. The grace of God meaning that they had extended salvation to whoever would receive it. And they were all welcome in the church. They were all welcome in that place. It said he saw the grace of God and was glad. He was glad. He was stoked. He worshipped. He was excited about the grace of God in their midst. And then he encouraged them. Listen, he encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. Man, that's what we got to do. So many times we, we want to drop a hammer. I, I don't know how many times I did it with my kids. Listen, guys, I don't know why you can't get this thing. You, you can... I, Dad's working in the church now. You gotta start behaving a little better than this. Everybody in the whole town knows if you got picked up by the police and brought home. Everybody knows all the stuff that you're doing. Guys, come on, get with the program. I will develop a new list of things that thou shalt do and thou shalt not do if that's what's necessary. Yeah, it just never worked out so good. It never, it never did. But here, listen to what Barnabas did. Barnabas came and he said, With purpose of heart, continue to follow Jesus. 
You get it? Rather than focusing on all the things that you shouldn't do, what he said was, with purpose of heart, follow Jesus. A purpose of heart, guys, has got to take you right back to the book of Daniel. It's got to. In the book of Daniel, Daniel's a 16-year-old kid. His whole life is before him. He's got all kinds of opportunities, places he could go, things he could do. But he happens to be born at a time when his nation is at war with the king of the world at that time, which was Babylon. And Babylon whooped Israel. And so Nebuchadnezzar came in and he collected all the best. He looked around and said, who's the brightest kids here? And he took them all. And when he took them, he took them from their family. He took them from their family's dreams and plans. He took them from the education they thought they were going to get. He took them. But then he took them. He doesn't want them necessarily to, to spread. So after he takes all these young men, he makes them eunuchs. So you go from a 16-year-old boy with your whole life set out before you and all these plans and dreams and no choice of yours. You are born at a time when your nation is at war. You are taken to be a wise man for the enemy. And while you're brought into his palace, the first thing he does is make you a eunuch. Now, if you need a lesson on what that means, see me after church. They made him a eunuch and Daniel wasn't bitter. I love Daniel. The Bible says that Daniel was much beloved of God. And one of the very first things you see Daniel do is purpose in his heart to follow God instead of the culture that he was placed in. He was given all these foods and all these different foods that he was supposed to eat. They were unclean to him as a Jew. Now, he could focus on what he couldn't have, but he made a choice. Listen, I'm going to purpose in my heart to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to just follow Him. In His precepts, how He tells me to walk, I purpose in my heart to walk after Him. And Daniel becomes a guy who God showed some of the most incredible things in history. You want to see amazing prophecies, read the book of Daniel. It's, It's off the charts. But it started with him purposing in his heart to continue with the Lord instead of, well, I've lost my family, I've lost plans for me ever having a family, I've lost all the things I thought I was going to do in my life, I might as well just throw caution wind, do whatever. But no, he said, I purpose in my heart to continue with the Lord. That's the same thing Barnabas tells him here. He says, purpose in your heart to continue with the Lord. Follow Him. What is it that Paul says? When Paul begins preaching, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. This is, a, this is what God wants for us. This is how God wants us to live our lives. We can get sidetracked by a lot of other stuff. But the most important thing is, are you following Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? It's so vital, it's so important. In verse 24, this is how it describes Barnabas. Listen to this. He was a good man. Good man. I like to be known as a good man. And then it says, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Ephesians 5.18 says 
Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the Greek, the grammar would be better translated, be always being filled with the Holy Spirit. So for the Bible to describe a guy as full of the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Does that mean at one time the Holy Spirit came upon him and that was it? No, what it means is he is constantly being filled, right? To be full, you've got to have the source pouring in. So he's got the source, the Holy Spirit pouring into his life. He's full all the time. He is described as a man full of the Holy Spirit. That is an incredible description for a believer to have. To be constantly staying in a place of being filled to overflowing. I'm a man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And the song we sang earlier as we asked for anybody who, who needed prayer or a touch of God to come up. There's, there's a couple lines in that that say, I trust in you. Faith is all about making a choice. Say, I'm going to trust in God. That's what Daniel had to make a choice, right? His life is sideways. It didn't end up the way he thought it was going to. I'm sure when he was 15, before he became 16 and went to Babylon, he thought that life would go differently. But it didn't matter. He purposed in his heart. I will trust in God. My life didn't go the way I thought it should. By no choice of his own. But he, I will trust in God. Man full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. Look what else the scripture tells us. As always when we see a move of the Spirit it says. And a great many people were added to the Lord. They added to the Lord. They were added to, not to Barnabas. They were added to the Lord. And when we walk in obedience, we follow the Lord. That's what happens. When God moves, people get saved and lives change. Then in verse 25, next thing I love about Barnabas, he goes looking for Saul. Look, Saul is going to eclipse Barnabas. Right? Barnabas is pretty popular in the church right now. And he's especially popular in Antioch. And things are happening, and, and if I guess if you were trying to build a ladder of success, you would say, well, you know, he's, he's reaching a relatively solid area of success. And right at that moment, he goes looking for Saul, somebody better than him. Because he don't care about how successful he is by whoever's standards. It's about what's, what does God want? What is God doing? I need some help. Where's that Saul guy? Man, that guy is just full of the Holy Spirit. That guy is ready, powerful, understands the word. So Barnabas goes and finds him. And the word is incredible because the word used in the scripture where it says he went to seek, that word for seek, means it wasn't easy. He had to look. He was in Tarsus, big city. But he goes to Tarsus and looks around until he finds Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. He snatched him up and brought him. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. They brought people together and they together were teaching. They're together going to become the first missionary team outreach. Together they're going to do incredible things. And, and Saul is going to become Paul and grow and in, in, uh, write about 13 epistles, 13 books of the Bible. He's going to write. And Barnabas is just going to be the guy who encouraged him. Still, every bit is vital. There would be no Paul without Barnabas. Because he was willing. It wasn't about how famous he could get. 
But it was about what is God doing and what does God want. And so he, in following Christ, Christ took him right to him. Look what it says next in, the, in, in this. It says, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Who called them that? Well, it sure wasn't the Christians. They were called disciples, followers of the way. There's a lot of things they were called, but they were never called Christians. You see, the I-A-N-S, or the end of a word, is Latin. You guys know who was speaking Latin at this time? Romans. 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 The I-A-N-S, at the end of a word, means followers of whatever the first word is. For example, Herodians, followers of Herod. People who walk after Herod. Christians, followers of Christ. You see a common point here? Followers. Not focused on all these other things, not seeing all the failures or the problems, but seeing and encouraging and driving people to say, follow Christ, follow Him, follow Jesus. What did Jesus say? Follow me. The question for us this morning is, is that who you are? Is your relationship with Jesus Christ a a list of other things, or is it this, me following Christ, me following Jesus, going wherever He wants me to go? Because that's that's what was so beautiful about the church in Antioch. Antioch's going to become the, the, the home of all missionary outreach. It's going to become the main seat of the church. We'll move from Jerusalem to Antioch, where they were first called Christians. Why? Because they were following Christ. Well, we need to be followers of Christ. We need to follow Him. This morning, as we have... A, an opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We have the elements of the Lord's Supper out on the tables. And as we prepare our hearts in worship, that's the main question we have to answer. Am I a follower of Christ? Not a follower of a system. Not a member in good standing of a denomination. Are you a follower of Christ? Because in that, everything else is encompassed. So as we prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper, the scripture lays out for us, and Paul says, many of you are sick and struggling in your faith because you do not give weight or value to the Lord's Supper. Sometimes we can be in such a hurry, right? Because Jackie goes so long, he talks too long. And I, you know, Garib- the good news is at late service, Garibaldi's is empty when you get there. So you got time. But as we, as we prepare our hearts, we just want to have a right heart. Now, I don't have to be perfect, right? We just talked about that. It's not about am I perfect? Am I, is my performance up to par so I can take the Lord's Supper? No. Are you following Jesus? That's it. If you're following Jesus, then Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And the same evening he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for the remission of your sins. Take, do this in remembrance of me. It's the time when we remember him. And a great time for us to ask ourselves the question in worship, Am I a follower? Am I following Jesus? So I have the worship team come up and we prepare uh, our hearts to worship. As God moves, as the Spirit directs you, just come on up and take of the elements. Uh, Take them when you're ready. Your time. And we will worship together. And as the Spirit moves, I invite you to do that. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just thank you for this time, the opportunity to... To stand in your presence, Lord Jesus, to glorify your name. God, we just pray as we seek your special anointing and touch. This afternoon, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be prepared. That we would answer the question, am I a Christian? Am I a follower of Christ? And as I answer that question, Lord, as I answer that question, then I am... In right standing. Because that's the most important question I ever answer. And Lord we pray that you would prepare hearts and minds. That you would move by your spirit in this place. As we worship you. In Jesus name.